Do you feel prepared? With everything going on in the world, do you find yourself thinking about self-defense, home protection, and financial protection more than ever? One form of financial protection is diversification. Gold has often been used to protect assets against inflation. Gold is a global reserve asset, and countries are buying massive amounts of gold as a hedge against financial collapse. It's time to help protect yourself and invest in gold. Stop thinking things are going to get better. You need to look out for yourself and your family. Visit LearnAboutGold.com. LearnAboutGold.com is a simple, free educational website. LearnAboutGold.com can help you learn about gold. Our website has extensive educational resources that can help guide you along the path of precious metals investing. It's time to inform yourself about why owning gold is more important today than ever. LearnAboutGold.com. That's LearnAboutGold.com. Three words. LearnAboutGold.com. So FBI Director James Comey has now revealed that the 650,000 treasure trove of emails the FBI discovered on Anthony Weiner's laptop doesn't contain any information that would make him rethink his decision not to recommend indictment for Hillary Clinton. According to the Washington Post, quote, the agent's work at first seemed endless. They had to use special software to sift through 650,000 emails, but they accomplished this formidable task. And then Comey announced that, quote, all of the communications that were to or from Hillary Clinton while she was secretary of state had not changed our conclusions. Most of the emails, but not all, reportedly duplicated other emails turned over by Clinton earlier or discovered by the FBI. That statement notably did not say that the Clinton Foundation had been let off the hook. It hasn't been. New WikiLeaks over the email demonstrate further corruption, from Hillary sending classified emails to her maid to print, to Chelsea allegedly using Foundation dollars to sponsor her wedding. So, Hillary's still corrupt. And yes, she's still a criminal. And according to the Democrats, Hillary's back to being innocent, and Comey's back to being a saint-like wonder dude. But the real question is this. What in the world was James Comey thinking? Well, in July, Comey refused to recommend Clinton for indictment. He did so by changing the law itself, requiring a level of intent that simply did not exist in the regulations. Those regulations demand merely proving gross negligence. It's hard to get more grossly negligent with classified material than setting up a private server in a bathroom and then funneling classified information through it and making it vulnerable to hack in the process. Or, by the way, sending that material to your higher janitorial help for printing. It's no surprise Comey's letter off the hook again. Once you change the standard of the law, you'd actually need to find an email from Hillary to Vladimir Putin sending him the names of American spies in order to indict her. But here's what actually happened here. Comey rushed to let her off, then he rushed to get himself off, then he rushed to let her off again when the polls went south. No wonder nobody trusts the FBI now. It's a political tool. No matter what happens tomorrow, Hillary will never be trusted by the American people. And nobody will trust James Comey or Loretta Lynch to do justice. That means the American people won't give Hillary any sort of bully pulpit or any credibility when she makes her case to the American people. Maybe, perhaps, that's the only good news to come from this horror show of an election. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. So much to get to today here on The Ben Shapiro Show. It is the day before Election Day, so I will give you my election prediction 2016. I'll give you the state-by-state breakdown. I'll tell you how I think the popular vote is going to come down. But first, we have to say hello to one of our sponsors, Bull and Branch. So I do not sleep well at night because I'm too busy killing terrorists. But when I'm not busy killing terrorists, I have to sleep. And the only way that I can sleep well at night is by is by sleeping in a set of sheets that are actually comfortable. After I, Bull and Branch... It makes these fantastic sheets. They're 100% cotton, organic cotton. They're really, really soft. They breathe. They're really nice. Luxury sheets can cost up to like $1,000. These cost a couple of hundred bucks, and they are totally, totally worth it. In fact, 
one of the problems with bowling brand sheets is that once you have a set of bowling brand sheets, you want to throw out all your other sheets. Like they, the, the well, our our cleaning lady put a, put a new set of sheets on the bed the other day, and I immediately stripped the sheets off the bed and went back to the bowling branch because the sheets are so great. I'm actually going to have to buy a couple more sets of bowling brand sheets just because they are so comfortable. They really are that comfortable. They're great. Apparently, three U.S. presidents sleep on bowl and branch sheets. Which means that Hillary Clinton has never slept on bowl and branch sheets because Bill sleeps on bowl and branch sheets. In any case, if you want these kind, of, if you want the sheets, bowlandbranch.com promo code Ben is the place to get them. Bowlandbranch.com promo code Ben. It's fifty bucks off your first set of sheets. It's like one hundred and fifty bucks instead of two hundred. It's spelled B O L L and branch.com and use the promo code Ben. Get that fifty dollars off and let them know that we sent you. And uh, and it is. It, I'm telling you, like I'm not fibbing about the quality of these sheets. They really are top notch. Put those on the Helix mattress, and they are just spectacular. Okay, so lots going on in the world. Nate Silver, uh, who's sort of the elections guru, he says that Donald Trump is relatively close to a path to winning. Uh, here's what he had to say about Donald Trump's chances on Sunday. So we show about a three-point lead nationally for Clinton, and she's about a two-to-one favorite. Um, the Electoral College math is actually less solid for Clinton than it was for Obama four years ago, where four years ago we had Obama ahead in states totaling 320-some electoral votes. Clinton has about 270, so she's one state away from potentially losing Electoral College. You'd rather be in her shoes than Donald Trump's, but it's not a terribly safe position. Yeah, you give her about a 65.7 about yeah. <laughs> chance to, to win. Okay, so he says 65.7% chance of winning, and uh, and he says that, that Trump does have a path, that basically he's one state away from winning. Uh, this is reflective of the polls over the weekend. So basically, in order for Trump to win, he has to win North Carolina, he has to win Florida, he has to win Ohio, he has to win Nevada, and then he has to win New Hampshire. And if he wins one of the votes in Maine, then he takes the election. That is his most plausible path to victory in this election cycle, which means this sucker could be over early. It is possible that this is... is over, you know, very early in the evening. If he loses New Hampshire and North Carolina, you can kiss this election goodnight. It's donezo. It's over. Turn out the lights. Four years of Hillary Clinton's horror show. Okay, so that's where Nate Silver puts this election. Uh, the, the Democrats either don't seem particularly certain of this election or they're just trying to gin their base to get out by saying it's closer than it is. John Podesta says that he thinks that Hillary can hold Michigan. She certainly should hold Michigan. She's up like five or six points in Michigan. I'm now we're going uh, to Michigan, to New Hampshire, to Pennsylvania, where they do it the old-fashioned way. Everybody votes on Election Day. We feel like we got a lead in Michigan. Uh, we want to hold on to it, uh, and we think we can do that. Okay, so he says that they're going to hold on to Michigan, uh, and um, and I think that in all likelihood they will. Mike Pence is saying Republicans are coming home. This is shown by the statistics. Republicans are coming back to Trump in the late days of the election because. For most people, politics ends up being a team sport. You're just going to vote for the person with the, with the name of the party by their, by their name. Pence uh, makes the case for Trump in the closing hours here. We're 100% focused uh, on bringing home a great victory for the American people. And Republicans are coming together, Chris. I was yesterday with Speaker Paul Ryan in Wisconsin. A couple days before, I was with Governor Doug Ducey in Arizona. Last night here in Virginia with Ed Gillespie. The Republicans are coming home and recognizing that we need to elect Donald Trump as the next president, re-elect a strong Republican majority. And Republicans are coming home with independents and Democrats at their side to make sure that, that Hillary Clinton is never elected president of the United States. Okay, so there are a couple of things that, are, that people are questioning about the polls. One is they don't know what the turnout's actually going to be like. Is there the secret base of Trump voters who are going to show up out of the woodwork and just vote for Trump? I think that's unlikely. I do. I mean, I've yet to meet a, a closeted Trump supporter. They don't really exist 
as far as I can tell. Trump supporters tend to be very loud and very proud about who they're voting for. I'm not seeing a lot of people, even in California, who are, who are and this is anecdotal, to be sure, but now we're talking in the realm of anecdotal because there are no real statistical studies. But I, I really doubt, I do doubt that there are a lot of Trump supporters who are, who are not going to, who are, who are simply lying to pollsters or they're not uh, registering in the polls. The other possibility is a lot of the independents are going to swing to Trump, and the polls are not really supporting that idea either. So now I'm going to give you my breakdown of how I think this election is actually going to go. So here is my prediction, and you can take it to the bank or not, as the case may be. Here, here's where I think this, this comes down to. So in order for Trump to win, as I say, he has to win North Carolina, Florida, Ohio, Iowa, and Nevada, and then he has to win one more state, New Hampshire, Colorado, Virginia, Wisconsin, Michigan, or Pennsylvania. All the talk about Minnesota, it isn't going to happen. He's going to get blown out in Minnesota. So let's go through those really quickly. North Carolina. So far, three million ballots have been cast in North Carolina, which is a little bit more than were cast in early voting in 2012. It was like 2.8 million in 2012. The Hispanic turnout is up a little bit, which is good news for Hillary. The black turnout is apparently down rather dramatically, which is really bad news for Hillary Clinton because she needs the black turnout in order to drive her over the top. Nate Cohn of the New York Times estimated as of October 31st, he said about 2.9 million people had voted in North Carolina out of the 4.6 million who would eventually vote. So that's a huge number of people who vote early in North Carolina. He says, based on the voting history and demographic characteristics of those people, we think Hillary leads in North Carolina by about six percentage points. That seems really Real high to me. 538 gives Hillary a 50.6% shot to beat Trump in North Carolina. Now, I will say Trump doesn't have a ground game. So it's possible the polls are off in the in the other direction as well, that the Democrats are really going to get out to vote. They're going to send people to bus people to the polls. They're going to make sure all their elderly voters get out to vote. And the turnout game is what decides North Carolina. I think that Hillary will end up winning North Carolina, but I do think that it'll be very close. Um, and I think that Richard Burr, who's the senator from North Carolina, may end up maintaining his seat. He's the Republican. In Florida, it's also basically a dead heat. According to 538, it's essentially a dead heat in Florida between Clinton and Trump. There's been some conflicting information about the early voting. Originally, there was a case being made that the early voting was really good for Trump. In the last four days, the early voting has shifted a little bit more toward Hillary Clinton. Apparently, very, very heavy Hispanic turnout in the early voting in Florida. Apparently, some 6.1 million ballots have already been cast in the state of Florida. Democrats lead Republicans by just half a percentage point. There's a poll out today that shows that people who plan on voting Election Day are going to vote heavily Trump. The question is how many of those people there are and how heavily Trump that is. So this one is definitely up in the air. But if Hispanics vote disproportionately in, in Florida and they're not all Cuban Hispanics, um, then it's possible that, that Trump loses Florida as well. I think that he's going to lose both North Carolina and Florida. It's a pessimistic vision for Trump. But again, he hasn't spent any time building a ground game, so I think that's likely. Ohio, I think Trump will win. CNN says that Hillary trails Obama's number substantially in the early voting. 538 gives him a 65% chance of winning the state. That's solid enough for me. I will say that Trump wins Ohio. I think he's going to win Iowa as well. Uh, he's up big in Iowa. The latest poll from the Des Moines Register gives him a, a seven-point lead there. In Nevada, Clinton is going to win. So before Trump was, was up pretty big, uh, or at least he had he'd drawn into the lead in the last few weeks, last three, four weeks, Hillary has a major advantage in the early voting. According to John Ralston, who does elections analysis for one of the local news stations in Vegas, he says about 770,000 votes have been cast, which is about two-thirds of the entire vote in the state of Nevada. If you suppose an election day turnout of 450,000 voters, Trump needs to win on Tuesday by 10 points to win. This is almost impossible. So assume that he loses Nevada. Now, remember, these are all states he needs to win. If he loses one of these states, he's done. 
He has to win all of these states. He cannot afford to lose any of these states unless he's going to win one of the outliers like Michigan or Pennsylvania. We'll get to those in just a second. In New Hampshire, New Hampshire is apparently really close right now in the latest polling average, but you sort of have to look over the last year. For the last year, Hillary led New Hampshire by as much as double digits. There's about a one-week spate right after the Comey announcement of the renewed FBI investigation, where suddenly Trump was ahead by anywhere from one to three points. Now there are a couple new polls that show Hillary back up. I think that Clinton is probably going to win New Hampshire. Colorado, Clinton is going to match Obama's numbers in the early voting. That means that she's probably going to win Colorado. Virginia, which used to be a Republican state, has not voted Republican now probably for the last 12 years. The last time they voted Republican was 2004. A lot of the people who live in Washington, D.C. have moved into suburban Virginia, and they've been infusing northern Virginia with this blue feel, so Virginia is likely to go for Hillary Clinton. Wisconsin polling looks bad for Trump. Michigan polling looks bad for Trump. He's spending an awful lot of time there. You saw Podesta a minute ago saying that he thinks that, that Hillary is going to pull it out. I think that she's going to win by a relatively large margin there. Pennsylvania, Clinton is expected to win there. 538 gives Trump a 23% likelihood of a pickup. So I know I'm not going to give you the rah-rah speech today. I'm not going to lie to you about what's happening here. I'm not going to lie to you that Trump is on the verge of victory. I don't think he is. I think there are some other pe- people you know, who have been suggesting otherwise. I know there's a, a piece by Henry Olson over at National Review where he says the polls aren't taking into account the factors I mentioned before, You know, the, the turnout game from Trump, the idea of the missing Trump voter who's secretly hiding and just hiding from pollsters in a basement somewhere. I don't think that's real. My final tally is I think that Trump ends up with 217 electoral votes. I think Hillary ends up with 322 electoral votes, which means he wins slightly more electoral votes than Romney did and, uh, and more obviously than McCain did, but still gets blown out in pretty handy fashion. And that's in the Electoral College. I think in the popular vote, he will lose by more than Romney did. I think he's going to win Iowa. I think he'll probably win Ohio. Maybe not, but I think that he's more, he, he will certainly win Iowa. I don't know if he's going to win Ohio. But in any case, in the popular vote, I think that people are underestimating the level of hatred that Democrats and leftists have for Trump. And it's not just because they think he's conservative, okay? They would have hated Cruz also or Rubio. It's because of who Trump is. They don't like the stuff that Trump says. I think some of that is justified. Uh, They think Trump is an unpalatable nut job. Um, I think that about a quarter of that is, I think unpalatable is right. Nut job, I think, is is a little bit less charitable. Um, But in any case, I think that you're going to see heavy turnout in places like New York and California just as a way for, for leftists to, to virtue signal to their friends that they voted against Trump. So I think that the popular vote margin will be larger than Romney, even though right now uh, the popular vote margin, the polls show anywhere from 2.9 to 3.3 points in the spread. I think that the final result is going to be something like Hillary Clinton 49 or 50 to Donald Trump 44. I think it'll be a five or six point victory, which is a pretty sweeping victory for Hillary Clinton. Now, all of this should make you pretty sad, given the fact that we didn't have to nominate this guy. You know, there's a poll out today that shows what would have happened if we'd nominated, for example, Mitt Romney, who I didn't support for the nomination. If we had nominated Mitt Romney, he would have clobbered, he would have clobbered Clinton 50 to 40. If Obama had run against Trump, by the way, this is why you can't trust the people who say, well, look, Trump's a better candidate than Romney. He's going to win more electoral votes. He's not running against Barack Obama. He's running against Hillary Clinton, legitimately the worst major party nominee in the history of American politics, except for the moron we ran. So it's just, it's devastating. If, if, if Obama had run against Trump, he would have beaten him, according to these polls, 53 to 41. 53 to 41, which is just devastating. So that's how the polls stack up. That's how all of this stacks up. Now, I want to go through, and, and we will go through in just a moment, sort of the final arguments on both sides, because if there's been one thing that's true of this election, it's that every negative thing that each side says about the other is true. Everything they say about themselves 
is a lie. And we'll go through that, and we'll talk about what impact that has on our politics in just a moment. But first, we have to say hello to our friends over at Birch Gold. So, if you haven't been, uh, if you haven't been looking at the economy lately, it looks like it's it's relatively volatile. A recession is sort of expected any minute. Um, there's a good case to be made that there's a recession in the United States every eight to ten years, which means that we're due. If there is to be a recession, that'll probably hit the stock market and the real estate market. What it won't hit is gold. Every time there's a recession, the price of gold tends to go up. So, if you're interested in investing in precious metals as a hedge against inflation. If you're interested in investing in precious metals as a hedge against drops in the real estate and stock market, uh, then you're going to want to go to birchgold.com slash Ben. It's birchgold.com slash Ben. They also have a program that helps you shift your money over from an IRA and 401k into precious metals without tax consequences. Um, as always, make sure you ask all your questions, get all the information you want about the investments. They also give you a 16-page free kit about gold and silver and how it can help your investment portfolio. When you're ready to invest in precious metals, talk to my friends at birchgold.com slash Ben, A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Okay, so the media, just, just to point this out, what this election has done, you know, people wanted this to be the burn-it-all-down election. And in a sense, they got exactly what they were looking for. Everything was burned down, some for the good, some for the ill. For the ill, I would say that conservatism has been burned out, hollowed out from the inside by a lot of the Trump movement, although I think that after this election, you will see an attempt to to restore conservatism, not of the Bush variety, but of a new conservative libertarian variety. There will have to be a new conservatism, but based on constitutional conservative principles and not establishmentarian compromise principles, I think that will happen. But in the meantime, conservatism has been harmed pretty severely by the Trump candidacy. That's a bad thing. But on the good side, the, the media have just fallen apart. So it has now been revealed, and this really is amazing, that apparently, apparently, uh, this is according to Mediaite. DNC research director Lauren Dillon sent a pair of emails to CNN staffers with the hope that they would use her emails, these questions that she wrote for them, to ask Donald Trump. The first email had the subject line, Trump questions for CNN. And it says, Wolf Blitzer is interviewing Trump on Tuesday ahead of his foreign policy address on Wednesday. Please send me thoughts by 10.30 a.m. tomorrow. This is, this is from... Lauren Dillon, the DNC research director, she wrote that to her, 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 her folks, the idea being that she was then going to funnel those questions over to CNN and they would ask the questions. There's another letter that suggested the same thing about Ted Cruz. That letter said, it was from Dillon to her friend, said, CNN is looking for questions. Please send some topical, interesting ones, maybe a couple on Fiorina. Someone please take point and send them all together by 3 p.m. So in other words, the DNC was directly coordinating with people over at CNN to ask questions to Donald Trump and Ted Cruz. That is an amazing thing. The media have destroyed all their credibility. That may be the only good thing about this election cycle. The Democrats' credibility has also been destroyed, by the way. And we'll get to that in just a second as we as we see the Democrats' final pitch. But to see that, you have to go to dailywire.com and become a subscriber. I mean, just do it. It's eight bucks a month. Right now, if you get the annual subscription, you get a free copy of my of my book, True Allegiance, which is doing really well. You get a free signed copy. I'll autograph it for you. You can treasure it forever, hand it down to your children, sell it on eBay. Once it's yours, it's yours. There's nothing I can do about it. But eight bucks a month, just forego that hamburger, get a little less fat, and uh, and then you can be a member at dailywire.com, be part of our mailbag. We're adding new benefits all the time. We have a lot of exciting things planned for subscribers this year that you're going to want to be a part of. Dailywire.com to become a subscriber and, uh, and make sure you join us at the, the most populous and the, the largest conservative podcast in the United States. Okay, so 
it's time for final pitches for each of the sides. And this shows you, I think, sort of the, the flaws in both sides and why this is such a terrible election cycle. Now I'm going to give you some upside. I gave you some downside about what I think is going to happen in this election. I think Hillary is going to walk away with it. I don't think it's going to be as close as other people think. I could be totally wrong. Maybe there's a shock in, in store. Maybe, maybe Trump will surprise us one last time. Um, maybe... Maybe instead Hillary will will assassinate him on the toilet like Tyrion and Tywin. But it, it could be anything. But you know, but it's uh, all likelihood, statistically speaking, Hillary Clinton will probably win this election and win it relatively handily. The only good news about this is I, I asked a, a friend of mine this morning. Uh, name is Jennifer Horn. Really nice gal. She's, she co-hosts with me uh, in the mornings here in L.A. And I asked her, if Trump were elected, do you think he would be booted out after four years? And she said yes. And I, I ask all the Trump supporters to think about this for a second, just as sort of a, a, sil, a terrible silver lining to all of this. If Trump were elected, do you really think that he'd serve eight years or would he serve four? My guess is he would probably serve four because he's barely, even if he makes it in, he's going to squeak by. He's not capable of running a great presidency. It'll be anywhere from mediocre to the worst thing that ever was. So he, he's probably out after four. There's probably a recession. He probably loses some seats in 2018 in the House and the Senate. And then he loses in 2020 and hands over power to somebody on the left like Kamala Harris or Russ Feingold, somebody who isn't the worst Democratic candidate of all time. Now, flip it. If Hillary's the president, what are the chances that she wins re-election in four years? I don't think they're that great. I don't think they're that great. She's deeply unpopular going in. It was a fluke of, of fate and, uh, and God's revenge on us uh, that, that Donald Trump was the nominee because virtually anybody else would have been able to beat her. She's an unbelievably weak candidate. In four years, Republicans will get another, sh- another bite at the apple. And, uh, and there's likely to have been a recession by that point, just descriptively speaking, not hoping for a recession. Obviously, you don't want anybody to suffer. But just descriptively speaking, there probably will be a recession. The economy will slow again. Uh, and, uh, and Hillary is not slated to be a good president. She's slated to be a terrible president. So you figure Republicans still control Congress. They may still control the Senate. Right now, there's a decent shot, about a 50 percent shot. They still control the Senate after this election is over. You hope that they stymie most of Hillary's agenda, come back in four years, and, uh, and forestall, by the way, not only Hillary Clinton, but also the possibility of an eight-year reign of somebody who's truly um, more frightening than Hillary. And yes, there are people more frightening than Hillary. Obama was more frightening than Hillary, which is why I said in 2007, you idiots, don't defeat Hillary in the primaries. Don't try to stop Hillary in the primaries. Try to stop Obama in the primaries. He's going to be way more damaging. I was right about that. Okay, so all of that said, we're now at the very end of this thing, and uh, and it's clear that nobody wants either of these two candidates. Everybody thinks they both stink. Uh, I think one of the funniest things that happened over the weekend, there was a student who was supposed to get up on stage and introduce Hillary Clinton at one of her rallies, and things did not go well. She is so trapped in the world of the elite that she has completely lost grip of what it's like to be an average person. She doesn't care. Voting for another lesser of two peoples, there's no point. So there's the there's the the presumably Bernie Sanders supporter in Iowa, and he gets up there with the Clinton cane sign in front of him, and he says, "There's no point in voting for her. She's a tool of the elites. Forget it." And then they usher him off the stage. Yeah, there's some disquiet on the left as well. The left is is relegated to basically attacking the FBI. They don't know whether, by the way, James Comey is their friend or their enemy at this point, which is pretty amazing. Al Franken, aka Stuart Smalley, he was on the the CNNs, and he said that um, he said that it's time to attack the FBI. I think even more troubling is what we've heard from sort of the rogue elements within the FBI, seemingly uh, tipping off uh, former Mayor Giuliani that something was up. 
and also, I mean, they just seem like that's not the FBI. That's not what the FBI is supposed to do. It seems so. I, I'm on the Judiciary Committee. I'm sure we will have hearings. I'm sure that uh, uh, FBI uh, Director Comey will be before us, and I, I think he he should answer questions about this, and he should be able to control the FBI. He's director of the FBI. He should be able to. Uh, what's been happening there has uh, been a little hinky, I think. Okay, so so the Democrats are basically relegated to arguing that Hillary's not a criminal, the FBI are the criminals, and now we're going to target the FBI. Again, this is what happens when you have a Democrat who is so thoroughly corrupt that even her own party is having trouble defending her. Plus, Hillary's a horror show. I will, I will say this. If Trump were to actually win the presidency, it would be a far more entertaining four years than if Hillary wins the presidency. Here's Hillary in the rain the other day. It was like 75 degrees, and she's treating it like it's a blizzard. Uh, here she was in the rain. I think it's in Florida. And, uh, and she's, it's Hillary screaming in the rain, just screaming in the rain. Standing out here in the rain, I don't think I need to tell you all of the wrong things about Donald Trump. But here's what I want you to remember. I want to be the president for everybody. Everybody who agrees wow. with me, people who don't agree Ooh. with me, people who vote for me, people who don't vote for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Yeah, that could be present. She's she's the likely next president. <laughs> okay, she's scary. I mean, she gives children nightmares. You're gonna vote for me, or you don't vote for me. I want to be your president. She and Alex Jones have shared a voice now. They're both demons spawn of hell. So there's Hillary Clinton screaming in the rain for your viewing pleasure. Uh, if that's attractive to you, by all means, go vote Hillary Clinton. And then it will be fun to watch her. Apparently, they canceled the fireworks show. They didn't know why. She had a fireworks show that was scheduled for election night. I think probably they canceled the fireworks show because they were afraid that the fireworks would hit her as she rode around on her broom after winning. Um, but, uh, but, again, she's so wildly unpalatable. The Democrats, all they have now is Trump is terrible and, uh, and Hillary similarly terrible. But what can we do? Joe Biden is out there. I, I do love that the hypocrisy of the Democrats saying that Donald Trump is a real violent guy. Here is Joe Biden, who is just a joke of a human being, uh, ripping on Donald Trump. Any one of our kitchen tables, you turned and you said something like, uh, um, you know, uh, because I'm the star on the football team or I'm the star, I'm, I, 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 I'm the guy who has the most money in the class or I'm that I have a right to go out and grab women any way I want to. You'd get knocked off the chair. No, no, no. Really. Really. You really, really, okay, how many pictures do we have of Joe Biden grabbing women inappropriately? Women who look like they want to run screaming from, from wherever it is that they're sitting. My favorite personal one is the one where he's got the biker chick on his lap, and, uh, and then the bikers are sitting like a table away looking like they want to cut off his head and stick it on the, on the handlebars. It's, it, it's, pretty, it's pretty wild. So there, there it is. There's, there's Donald. There, there's a Joe Biden. And again, the only case they can make is the anti-Trump case. They can't make the pro-Clinton case. Here's Hillary trying to make the case to black voters. She can't get black voters out to vote for her because nobody likes her. They think that she's terrible. There has never been a more important election when you stop to think, as Jean said, about who we are as a country. I think we are stronger together. Yes. Oh, a slogan. Yes. I think we're stronger together. Ooh, she hit the slogan. 
It's, it's, there's her catchphrase. So she's having trouble getting the black vote out. Nobody is enthusiastic about her. By the way, this is a lie. When people say this is the most important election that we've ever had, it's a bunch of hooey. Okay, it's just crap. 1860 was a more important election, it turns out. 1980 was a more important election. I think 2004 was actually a more important election. I think 2008 was a significantly more important election that went the wrong way. I think 1932 was a deeply important election. I don't think this is a particularly important election, except that it's happening now. It's always easy to say this is the most important election that has ever happened, because right now, it is. Everything already happened, or it's not happened yet. So what's happening, it's like saying today is the most important day of your life. Well, technically speaking, that's probably true, but today my wife isn't going to have a baby, right? So it probably won't be the most important day of my life. But it is right now, because I'm in it. Like, I can't shape what happened two years ago or six months ago, but I can shape what's happening now. Whenever people say it's the most important election of our lifetime, I just think to myself, no, that is not that is not remotely true. I'm sorry. The election between two Democrats, one of whom happens to be slightly more right-wing on immigration and, and slightly more left-wing when it comes to trade and foreign policy, and a Democrat who happens to be more corrupt and worse on social policy, no, I don't think that's the most important election of my lifetime. I don't think it's the last election of my lifetime. I don't think that that Hillary will make herself dictatress. I don't think that, that we will stop having elections. By the way, all the people who are doing sort of the catastrophic thinking, where Hillary's going to declare 20 million new citizens, she can't do that without a congressional act. She can't do that. I keep hearing this, that she's going to change the demographics of the country dramatically and that all these people are going to vote. She can't do that unilaterally. She can make it so that these people aren't prosecuted. Obama can do that on the way out. He can, he can grant them blanket amnesty if he wants. But... You cannot grant citizenship without an act of Congress. That is why the Congress actually stopped Obama from handing out work permits and green cards to people. You can't do it unilaterally from the presidency, which is why no matter what you think of Trump, you should vote Republican down ballot. Again, the Democrats don't know what to do with Hillary Clinton, and so they're, they're desperately just trying to say, the, you got to pull the lever for her because she's, uh, yeah, she kind of sucks, but whatever, what can you do? Here's Barack Obama making that case. You know, Michelle and I, we talk over the dinner table. We explain to our daughters, you know, not everything's supposed to be right. inspiring. Sometimes you just do what you have to do. And one of the things you got to do right now is to make sure to vote for Hillary Clinton. Okay, so Hillary is the broccoli of American politics. You have to you have to eat it because if you don't, then you're going to die of malnutrition. This is a very weak pitch. I would also point out to, to the Democrats who are, who are spending this entire election cycle saying, how could Republicans possibly vote for someone with such bad character as Donald Trump? If Donald Trump was a Democrat, they would be talking about what a wonderful person Donald Trump was. And all you Republicans who say that Hillary Clinton, her character just wouldn't allow her to be president. If Donald Trump had a private email server and worked in the government and had a private email server, most of you wouldn't care either. Most of you wouldn't care either. OK, character doesn't count in this election. It just doesn't for most people who are voting, and that means that all Obama has is mockery of Donald Trump. So here he is mocking Donald Trump regarding his Twitter account. Now, you, you may have heard that I, this was just announced. I, I, I just read it, so I can't confirm it's true, but apparently his campaign has taken away his Twitter. In the, in the last two days, they, they had so little confidence in his self-control they said, we're just going to take away your Twitter. Now, if, if somebody can't handle a Twitter account, they can't handle the nuclear code. Okay, again, he's, he's not wrong about this. Donald Trump is not somebody I'd really want handling the nuclear codes, but neither is Barack Obama and Joe Biden. Joe Biden at a rally like three weeks ago pointed out the guy holding the nuclear codes. He said, there he is. There's Bob. Hold the nuclear codes. 
And then Hillary, at the last debate, she said, you know, there's a four-minute gap between the time I give the order as president and the time the nukes are fired. No one's supposed to know that, Hillary. Also, you, for all I know, you might store the nuclear codes on your dog's Wi-Fi password, and somebody steals it from Russia and launches all the nukes into the middle of Kissimmee. I don't know. So the whole thing is, again, everything bad they say about their opponent is true. Everything they say good about themselves is false. It's, it's just a giant joke, and I'm, I'm going to be drinking heavily tomorrow night. By the way, we are going to be doing a special election night show here Woo! tomorrow night. It should be a lot of fun. Me, Clavin, uh, this, is why we're, this is why we're reset. That's why our set here is in front of the brick wall, because we had to expand the set to make room for, for Andrew Clavin's enormous intellect and bulk. Uh, so we, so we, we've moved out all the walls and moved the camera back, which is why I feel very far away from everyone today. But in any case, uh, we will be doing an election coverage that starts, I think it's going to start at like 3.30, 3.45. We'll announce it tomorrow. Uh, and then we're going to carry it all the way through till this election is over, which, depending, could be like 3.47 or it could, or it could be midnight. So we'll carry it until, until, we either, until we either drink ourselves into a stupor, which, again, could be 3.47 or midnight uh, or until one person is elected. Okay. So, you know, Obama continues to criticize Trump, and then he drops the line. He says, a protest vote is a vote for Trump. If you don't vote for Hillary, you're voting for Trump. Okay, so now we've heard this from both sides. So I'm not voting for either of them. According to Obama, I'm voting for Trump. According for Tr to Trump, I'm voting for Hillary. Or maybe I just find all of these people unpalatable, and I'd rather stick my head through a plate glass window than have either one of them be president if it were up to me. But here's Obama making the case. She cares deeply about ordinary folks. Her policies are... All right, it's not a joke. Aligned with yours and mine. And yes, she is somebody who believes in compromise and that you don't get 100% of what you want. But you know what? That's the way this democracy yeah. works. Anybody sitting on the sidelines right now or uh, deciding uh, to engage in a protest vote, that's a vote for Trump. And uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that would be badly damaging for this country, and it would be dam uh, damaging for the world. Okay, honest, honest to goodness. If I have to hear that crap one more time, that if you're not voting for one of them, you're voting for the other of them, that's not true. If you believe that, if you think that because I'm not voting for Trump, I'm voting for Hillary, let me ask you, are you more upset if I say I'm voting for Hillary? Yeah, you would be. I'm not, by the way, because I'd never vote for that turd in a trash can. There's no way that would happen. But the idea that I'm going to the, the idea that, that if I don't vote for Trump, I'm voting for her, and then Obama says I'm voting for Trump if I'm not voting for her. I don't know. I mean, I've been called the KKK by Black Lives Matter this year and, KK, and, and Black Lives Matter by the KKK. I've been called a Trump voter by the Hillary people and a Hillary voter by the Trump people. So I'm just confused. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. So, in any <laughs> so meanwhile, Donald Trump is making his closing case, and uh, as always— it is a flawed case. It is not the strongest case in the world. So Donald Trump has an exclusive op-ed in USA Today, which, by the way, broke ranks today uh, and endorsed Hillary Clinton. They never endorsed, and USA Today did. And, uh, and he says here, real change begins with immediately repealing and replacing job-killing Obamacare. And he talks about how Obamacare is failing. Totally agree. Is he going to do that? Well, he's the same guy who said he would expand Medicaid, so I don't trust him. He also says fixing our terrible trade deals which is a bunch of hooey. Okay, our, our trade deals are not the problem with our economy, but, he, but basically that's his version of indirect welfare to the Rust Belt voters he thinks he's going to win by talking about trade. One of the things that annoys me about this election cycle is how principle has gone completely by the wayside. People like me say welfare is bad because people shouldn't get money for not doing work. Right? You, shouldn't, you shouldn't do that. And welfare is disproportionately taken by minority people, even though the majority of people on welfare are white. The minute that people start to, a lot of people on the right agree with me. Then the minute you start talking about welfare in the form of indirect payments 
to people who work in the Rust Belt who are white, then all of a sudden the tune changes. If you're talking about taxing me, which is what a tariff is, taxing me so that I have to spend my money on a product in, uh, in Ohio, then all of a sudden they're good with it. I, I hate that stuff. Trump says, we don't have to keep kids trapped in failing in schools, and he talks about school choice. Totally agree with that. He says, draining the swamp of corruption in Washington. If you think that Donald Trump is capable of draining the political insider swamp, the man gave money to Nancy Pelosi and Harry Reid. If you really think that he's going to be the guy who cleans house, I don't know what you're thinking about. He talks about Hillary Clinton being the subject of an FBI criminal investigation. Of course, that is true. And, and then he says that he's offering a contract with the American voter, a 100-day action plan to clean up corruption and bring change to Washington. He talks about his pro-growth plan, cutting taxes, which is good. And, uh, and then he talks about cutting regulations, which is also good. Uh, but then he also talks about taxing everybody who wants to shift jobs offshore. So that is not good because that kills industry. People just move to avoid the tax. He, so bottom line is, Donald Trump is a grab bag of policies, and you don't know where he's going to be on anything because Trump is Trump. Anybody who says more than that about Trump, anybody who either says he's definitely going to be a leftist or anybody who says that he's definitely going to be a hardcore right winger has not been watching Trump or paying attention to this election cycle. So Donald Trump is now making the case to himself uh, for himself, and his case comes down to, as you might have guessed, I'm not Hillary Clinton. So here is Donald Trump talking about Hillary being unpopular. And by the way... I didn't have to bring J-Lo or Jay-Z, the only way she gets anybody. I'm here all by myself. I am here all by myself. Just me, no guitar, no piano, no nothing. But you know what we do have? And it's all of us, it's all the same. We all have great ideas and great vision for our country. That's what we have. Okay, so he's making the case against Hillary on the basis that he doesn't that he can fill capacity crowds. Of course, so can other celebrities. Um, I, I really dislike this thing about Trump where he does this, look how popular I am, look how special I am. It just brings me back to my days in high school when you'd have a guy on the basketball team doing the look how popular I am, and now half those guys work for me. It really, it really irritates me. So, so Donald Trump uh, doing that routine. But he's right. Hillary Clinton does rely on the celebrity endorsements. We'll get to the celebrities, by the way, in just a little while. Um, but when he says what, what brings us together is that we have great ideas. Mitt Romney, it's, it's worthwhile noting, had 30,000 people in Pennsylvania. I remember covering this in 2012. He had 30,000 people the weekend before the election at a rally in Pennsylvania. And everybody thought he's going to win because of that rally size. He did not. Also worth noting, yes, Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton hang out with celebrities too much. That was not an excuse to nominate the star of The Apprentice. Okay, but Donald Trump, none, nonetheless, Donald Trump uh, is making the case against Hillary, and the case against Hillary is the best case he has. It is the only case that he has because he can't really make a great affirmative case for himself. He says that he says that it's time to close the book on the Clintons. It's time to close the history books on the Clintons and to open a bright new chapter focused on the great citizens of our country. I'm asking for your vote and your help in electing a Republican majority in Congress so that we can finally change this broken system and make America great again. And when I say great, I mean great for everyone. Thank you very much. When I say great, I don't mean good. I don't mean okay. I mean, I don't mean mediocre. I don't mean, I don't mean bigly. I mean great, great, G-R-8, great. Okay, so <laughs> Donald Trump. Oh, uh, you know what? Just for just for old times' sake, we have to play good Trump, bad Trump because we have like two more clips. Let's just play it one one more time for old times' sake. Good Trump, bad Trump, which one will we get today? 
So retroactively, that was good, Trump. That was good. When he says that it's time to close the book on the Clintons, I think everybody feels that way. Particularly, I think that we all feel like it's time to close Madonna's sex on Bill Clinton because he's got that thing open like all the time, and it's just the pages stick together. It's just it's just terrible. All the way through. In any case, Donald Trump, uh, he, there, there was also some bad Trump. And the bad Trump was Donald Trump making the case, of course, that everything is rigged against him. It's rigged, rigged, rigged. Remember five minutes ago when it wasn't rigged? You're wrong. We uncucked the unrigging. It is rigged once more. We've rigged it. It's always rigged. It will forever, unless I win. Then it wasn't rigged. Here's Donald. It's rigged. Let's have some, let's start the rigmarole. It is a rigged system. And be careful with the voting be careful with everything. You watch everything, folks, because we're going to win. We don't want it taken away from uh-huh. us. We don't want it taken away. <laughs> watch with everything. You watch it. It's the rigs. Oh, my goodness. I, I will say I'm going to miss him. It's, it's, this, this has been fun, if horrifying. It's, it's, like, it's, it's like a horror movie, but it doesn't end well. It's, I'm just afraid that after this election, the Trumpian hand comes out of the grave with the stubby fingers and grasps the Republican Party again like the end of like the end of Halloween. In any case, uh, there is Donald Trump making the case against Hillary Clinton, uh, but he also, he also makes the case that the FBI is lying. They didn't actually review these emails. It's just all false. Right now, she is being protected by a rigged system. It's a totally rigged system. I've been saying it for a long time. You can't review 650,000 new emails in eight days. You can't do it, folks. Hillary Clinton is guilty. She knows it. The FBI knows it. The people know it. And now it's up to the American people to deliver justice at the ballot box on November 8th. Okay, so first of all, yes, they could go through 650,000 emails. He is right, however, that it is up to the American people to hold her accountable. And unfortunately, she won't because we nominated the worst possible nominee. In any case, one of the final notes here, and then we'll get some stuff I like and stuff I hate. Final note here, uh, you know, the, the fact that the Trump campaign has really taken the heart out of truth is one of the most devastating points of this campaign. If we had just run somebody who told the truth, somebody who spoke the truth about policies, somebody who didn't have to cover their lack of knowledge with bloviation and stupidity, we would have been so much better off. Anderson Cooper sort of exposes this. He's on with Kellyanne Conway, and he's making the point Kellyanne Conway and a lot of other Republicans have been still touting this Brett Baer report from last week, in which it said an indictment of Hillary Clinton was basically imminent, and Baer had moved off of that report, but Trump keeps pushing it nonetheless. And here's Anderson Cooper pushing Kellyanne Conway on this. Do you have any evidence at all to back that claim up, that Democratic voters are getting special favors? No, not in this instance. I was just making the case that uh, if we were, that we're watching that, you know, if, and we don't believe that polls should be open past the minute they're supposed to be. And that special favor should not be granted. Right, but if people, and if are, people already, are in line, and but as you know, vote, if people are in line, great, right, great. But we're, but right, but but folks will be watching. I mean, there there are people watching. I know Hillary Clinton's got people watching. We right, just want but, fairness, and we are up against. But Anderson, in fairness, we are up against a woman in a machine that stops at nothing to get her way. It's always Hillary first. The, the corruption, the ethics, the, the stop at nothing to to advance her interest is very clear. And so we're, we're just watching. But, you know, if people were already in line and they wanted to vote, fine. We're very happy with the returns we're seeing from the early balloting and the absentee voting in most states. But don't, I mean, don't facts matter? I mean, if the chairman of the Nevada Republican Party is making yes. this inaccurate claim that polling places in Clark County kept open so, quote, a certain group could vote, the certain group was just voters who were online uh, in time to vote. So 
why imply that it's this certain group? I think he was referring to the workers who were, I believe, either on break or after their shift trying to vote, from what I understand. But he's just making the claim that he's making the point that if this happens, then it will be noted. But, uh, okay, but look, I, I hate this crap. I'm sorry. I hate this. And, and she did the same thing with regards to the indictment talk. She said the damage has already been done, so it's okay. This is one of the things I hate the most about the Trump campaign. And this is sort of my final note on the Trump campaign specifically, because it really doesn't have to do with conservative or not conservative. Ben Terrace of the Washington Post has, has a piece. I wasn't even going to talk about it today, but I think it is important, actually. Just on a moral level, I think it's important. Ben Terrace of the Washington Post had a piece today about an incident with which I was tangentially involved, the Michelle Fields incident with Trump back in March. And as you remember, what happened is that Corey Lewandowski, Trump's campaign manager, grabbed Michelle Fields by the arm, hard enough to bruise her, and then she talked about it, and the Trump people said that this was the end of the world, that she was lying, that she was that she was making it all up, uh, that she was a hoaxer. Um, and then the tape came out, and Ben Terrace of the Washington Post was one of the witnesses to this. He said it happened. He said he saw Lewandowski do it, uh, and he came under heavy fire. And the Trump campaign claimed that Michelle was crazy first, and then they claimed that that a Secret Service person grabbed her, and then they claimed that, that Lewandowski grabbed her, but he didn't grab her that hard. And then they claimed that he didn't really grab her. He was just defending Trump from a little pen bomb, and the story just kept changing. And Ben Terrace has a piece that I thought was really telling, and it's how I feel about this election from both sides, but that both sides includes the Trump side. And that is, I feel like I'm being gaslit. I feel like there's, there's lies that have been told to me by both sides, and I'm being told that it's the truth. And so any good person, when you, when you hear somebody adamantly express to you, their view of the truth, any good per- and, and it conflicts with your own experience of things, any good person at first is going to have to at least consider, maybe I got this wrong. Maybe I did something wrong here. Maybe this wasn't true. And then it became clear that there was tape of it, that, that Lewandowski hadn't grabbed her and bruised her and all the rest of this. And it's, it's so upsetting to live in, a, in a, a fact-free election where Hillary Clinton says things that are eminently untrue, where here people say, it's just not, you know, the, the evidence that you have before your eyes about her corruption, it's not true. Go back to the drawing board. And you say, wait, no, no, no. I know that she's guilty. I know she's corrupt. I've seen the evidence. I've seen the law. I've read the law. No, 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 no. It's not true. Go back to the drawing board. You're crazy. And the Trump people, same thing. Donald Trump says something, and then Mike Pence spends the entire VP debate pretending Donald Trump doesn't exist. This kind of politics is not good for the country because it's a politics that is built on effectiveness. It is not built on truth in any way, shape, or form. And I do not think, this is an important thing, I do not think that truth has to be sacrificed for effectiveness. In fact, I think truth is the most effective tool. If you don't think truth is an effective tool anymore, then politics is done. We just vote for whichever dictator we want. But I still think that truth is an effective tool. It's why I do what I do for a living. I spend my days trying to tell the truth to you, telling you when I have doubts, telling you when I don't, telling you when I think I, I think the facts are clear, telling you when I think that they're obfuscated. But one of the things that I found so appalling about this entire election cycle, and I'm hoping that no matter who wins tomorrow, we can go back to fighting for truth, is that partisanship has taken, has taken precedence over truth-telling. And that I find really disgusting. That I do find disgusting. And that's not true for Trump supporters, who I think are making a, a, a simple, calculated call that Trump will be better than Hillary. I don't even know if it's true for, for some Hillary supporters, but I think that there are people on both sides— and in both campaigns, certainly, who have done this routine where truth takes a backseat to the victory of my candidate, and therefore truth just doesn't exist anymore. And that is a recipe for disaster. Once you throw truth out the window itself, once, once truth has no meaning, then politics doesn't have any meaning anymore. We can't even speak the same language. We may as well just vote for what, whatever is, is best for us personally, not whatever is best for the country. 
We may as well vote ourselves things because, after all, one man's lie is another man's truth. That is moral relativism at its root. This has been the most morally relativistic campaign I have ever seen in American politics. And I hope to God that goes away after tomorrow night. If Hillary wins, it won't go away in the presidency, but I hope he holds her accountable. If Donald Trump wins, it won't go away in the presidency, but I hope we hold him accountable. Okay, time for some things I like and then some things that I hate. So, things I like. Um, so, th- there's... Uh, I actually had a chance this weekend to do some reading, which was nice, and some watching. Um, and so uh, my sister told me I should watch Black Mirror. So I started. Well, I've only seen the first episode of Black Mirror, and so far I like it. This is a British series that's now come over. They're doing season three on Netflix. I've only seen the first episode, but very effective. Here's the preview for Black Mirror. It's sort of a Twilight Zone, um, but for the but for the digital era. The whole concept here is it's a series of episodes, basically how modern technology affects things. And the first episode, the one that I saw, the setup is that this princess is kidnapped in Britain and the prime minister is blackmailed into performing an unspeakable act with an animal if he wants this person released. And the entire setup is basically how they try to come up with all these strategies where he doesn't have to do these things uh, and, uh, and the digital world keeps thwarting them. Uh, it's, it's really an interesting show. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to the future episodes. I've heard the rest of it is pretty good from, from people who have seen it. Have you, any of you guys seen this yet? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Austin's seen it. Austin says that it's a good one as well. Okay, so uh, I'll tell you how it pays off, but so far it's been, it's been good. Okay, other things that I like. Um, I have to say, this was my favorite clip of, uh, of the week. Uh, this is a Trump surrogate. This is uh, Scotty Nell Hughes. Um, and I, I have to say, I, I know Scotty, and I think Scotty's a nice gal. Um, but the Trump campaign has basically become a parody of what SNL thought a Republican campaign would be, which is, which is a bunch of decent-looking blonde women and old men defending weird things So here's but, and, and making mistakes while doing it. Here is Scotty Nell Hughes, who's sort of become uh, the target of jokes, the butt of jokes on the left for her, for her ardent Trump advocacy. Here she's talking about something, and uh, she drops one of the great malaprops of all time. So you look at Jay-Z, and we talked about this that night, that he might be working on it, but one of his main videos starts off with a crowd throwing Mazel Tov cocktails at the police. And this yes. very much... She just said Mazel Tov cocktails at the police. Now, I don't know whether those are Molotov cocktails made from Manischewitz. Um, I, don't, I don't know whether that's what we, the Jews, threw at the Romans during the, the, uh, the famous Bar Mitzvah revolt. But it's but but I do love the fact that we're now in an era where people can go on national television and say things like uh, the uh, the Tov cocktail. That's also what you wish somebody at a wedding, but you hate them. You secretly are jealous of the couple, but you but you're happy for them at the same time. So you so you say Tov as you throw a bottle filled with fire at them, uh, and that's 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 how we that's how we play it. In the I, it was all part of the Jewish conspiracy, the Tov cocktails. Tomorrow, hopefully during the live broadcast, we'll be enjoying some. Mazel Tov cocktails, although I, I don't think that there will be any because I think that we're in bad luck no matter what. So mostly it's just going to be uh, some boozing. But nonetheless, I, I, I love it. I love it. The Mazel Tov cocktail, I'm going to have to brand it and we'll have to market it. The Mazel Tov, it'll, be like, it'll be like Adam Carolla's Mangria, except it'll be, <laughs> it'll be the Mazel Tov cocktail with my, 
with my Jewy face on it. By the way, for those who are wondering what this statue is, I got a listener who sent this in. I'm very proud of this statue. Thanks to God. Thanks to the Academy. It says on it, first place, most hated Jew in America, awarded to Benjamin A. Shapiro, 2016. Uh, I will treasure this always. I'm Jewish king of the world. There we go. All righty. So... Uh, other things that I like. Bill Maher over the weekend basically admitted he's been lying to people for a decade um, and then starts telling lies more. So here, here's Bill Maher. Yeah. I know you're young and idealistic, so I've heard these young people on the news and they say things like, well, Donald Trump, I don't like him, but Hillary, I can't vote for a liar. Uh. I mean, first of all, it's just apples and oranges, an orange. Um, but kids, I've been doing this for 23 years on TV. I've seen a lot. I know politics. This is different. I promise you this will not make your life better. And also, once fascists get power, they don't give it up. You've got President Trump for life. I know liberals made a big mistake because we attacked your boy Bush like he was the end of the world, and he wasn't. And Mitt Romney, we attacked that way. I gave Obama a million dollars to throw afraid of Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney wouldn't have changed my life that much, or yours. No, absolutely. Or John McCain. They were honorable men who we disagreed with, and we should have kept it that way. So we cried wolf, and that was wrong. But this is real. This is going to be way different. Okay, so there's something about this I like and something that I, that I like even more. So the thing about it I like is that he's actually telling the truth when he says that they cried wolf. Obviously, they cried wolf. I've said it on the show. They've been crying wolf about McCain and about Romney. They've been doing it forever. Uh, about Bush, they cried wolf. Bush was Hitler. Okay, and then finally along comes Trump, and he's a different thing entirely, and they have no credibility to speak on these things anymore. He's right about that. But then I love the fact that he immediately goes to once fascism takes over, it never leaves. Okay, so, so like Trump is going to stay in office forever? Are you crying wolf again? <laughs> like, can you stop it? Okay, if Trump is elected, he will be a bad president. Okay, I have very little doubt of that. I think Hillary might be a worse president, but I think he will be a bad president. But I think the chances of Donald Trump staying in power forever are deeply exaggerated. Okay, if Barack Obama can't stay in power forever, and I never thought he would, I don't think that, that this dude is going to stay in power forever. First of all, I think he'll get bored of the job, and he'll just want to go to a whorehouse somewhere. But in any case, it's just so it's so silly. But that's that's what these folks are saying. Okay, time for some things that I hate. So I think that over the weekend, they, they we summed up the election pretty well in two clips. Here are the two clips that sum up the election pretty well. Here is the this this is at a Donald Trump rally, and Ted Nugent, who has been in trouble during this campaign cycle for saying some pretty ridiculous things. Uh, he, he uh, as I recall, he said something, I'm trying to remember what it was, but he said something uh, overtly racist a little bit earlier in this campaign, and I, I can't for the life of me remember what it was. In any case, he was campaigning for Donald Trump, and, uh, and he decided that this would be a worthwhile thing to do. I was born and raised to be a productive American in the asset column by that spirit of real Michigan, that spirit of the greatest state in the nation that should not, we must not let it get lumped in with California and Illinois and New York and New Jersey and Maryland and Massachusetts. I got your blue state right here, baby. Black and blue. Which one's black and which one's blue? Uh, it's, uh, he, he, say, he says, for those who can't see, I've got your blue state right here, and then he proceeds to grab his junk. That's this campaign on the Trump side. 
Okay, that really is. It's like, okay, grab him by the crotch. It's, it just sums up the entire Trump campaign. It's, it, the, the entire thing is just testosterone unleashed, but without any real policy behind it, without any real ideology behind it. We're just so angry. We're going to grab ourselves by the crotch, and you can just suck on this. <laughs> okay, that's, that's sort of the Trump campaign in a nutshell. And then on the other side, you got the Hillary campaign, and she's trotting out Beyonce. There was a time when a woman's opinion did not matter. If you were black, white, Mexican, Asian, Muslim, educated, poor, or rich, if you were a woman, it did not matter. Less than 100 years ago, women did not have the right to vote. Look how far we've come from having no voice to being on the brink of making history. There, there's Again. Beyonce, and she's wearing a spotted stingray. By electing um, the first woman. And, she, <laughs> and, uh, and as Taylor rightly points out, she has an ever-present fan that is, that is 20 feet from her, so her hair is always flying in the breeze, no matter what. Like, she's at home in the bathroom, and there's just some guy with a fan holding it up there. You know, she goes out to play with the dog. There's the guy with the fan. He's just an underrated part of her, of her contingent. Um, but I love the fact—so this is the Hillary campaign. The Hillary campaign is a bunch of celebrities, including Hillary Clinton, going out there and just saying, Lady parts! Yeah, women! Woo! Yeah, vaginas! Woo! Okay, let me explain. This has nothing to do with this election. Are we taking the women's right to vote away from them? I missed it. And I wouldn't be for it if, if I hadn't missed it. Like, well, what? Uh, you know, the, the idea that women's rights are on the line if Donald Trump uh, is the president of the United States, or Hillary is a defender of women's rights, the, guy, the, the lady who is ripping it, savaging her husband's alleged rape and sexual harassment and assault victims. So that's the election on the other side. On the other side, you have a bunch of kind of nouveau riche celebrities on the east and west coast who think that Hillary Clinton is, is a god being. And on the right, you have a bunch of pissed off people in the middle who think that Donald Trump is going to make the blue states, uh, you know, do obscene things. So that, that's, that's this election cycle. Good news, folks. We are about 24 hours away from this sucker starting to wrap up, and then it'll just be all over but for the crying. But we're with you every step of the way. We have been all the way through here. And as I say, and will continue to say, the only thing that matters to me uh, is the truth. The only thing that matters to me in this election cycle are things that are true being said. I'll admit if I made a mistake on, on my election prediction, obviously. I'll admit if I made a mistake about Donald Trump, if he's elected and is a great president. Um, but I think that if we don't return to valuing truth and valuing ideas, then we're going to be stuck with, with the election of grab him by the crotch versus, hey, look, a vagina for the rest of time. I mean, that will be the, that will be the, the, the level of our elections. It's one of the reasons I personally am saying no to this election. If you want to, I don't blame you. If you don't want to, I also don't blame you. Um, but at the very least, I think that in your heart of hearts, you should look at this and say America deserves a better choice, a choice we won't get tomorrow, but we'll keep you updated every step of the way. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Did you know that mRNA vaccines are approved for use in pigs in the United States? Not to mention 85% of the beef sold in your local grocery store is imported. In fact, over 5 billion pounds of meat was imported just last year. There's so much mystery surrounding our meat, which is why I'm so grateful for my Good Rancher subscription. I know that I don't have to worry about imported meat or unknown vaccines in the food that I feed my family. Good Ranchers is saying mRNO to mRNA by offering a free 10-pound Easter ham with any subscription. Unlike the pork from the grocery store, Good Ranchers ham is guaranteed 100% free from mRNA vaccines. This is a $119 value, absolutely free with code DAILYWIRE. Go to GoodRanchers.com and say mRNO to mRNA by subscribing today.
You have a right to know exactly what's in your food. And Good Ranchers is dedicated to protecting that right and providing your family with the best meat in America, free from any unknown and potentially harmful additives. Go to GoodRanchers.com and subscribe to any of their boxes and use code DAILYWIRE at checkout. Every subscription will come with a free Heritage Ham, $25 off, and Good Ranchers' lifetime quality commitment. That's GoodRanchers.com, code DAILYWIRE.